Welcome back, everybody. Another week of Taurus Tech Talk here at the SG Taurus Company. I'm your host, Matt LePan. Joined once again by one of our technical support representatives, Russell Adamy. Russell, thank you for coming back on. We enjoyed your first podcast, so we figured we'd have you back. Thanks, Matt. It's good to be here. Now, today, Russell, we're going to have you going over pressure testing and evacuation for new systems and repairs for both Trained American Standard and Mitsubishi. Yes. So anytime we install or make a repair that requires us to open up the refrigeration side of an air conditioning system, there are certain procedures we have to follow to ensure proper operation and maximize the lifespan of the equipment. It's good quality systems we're installing and we want to make sure they work correctly for a long time for our customers. So the first thing is pressure testing. We need to make sure our systems are leak free for several reasons. First, we don't want to leak refrigerant that increases downtime, decreases capacity, and increases service calls. Customers don't tend to like that. Other reasons is to make sure we minimize contaminants in the system, such as moisture in a liquid form or picked up environmental moisture in the air, humidity. Moisture in our systems do not work. One of our biggest battles as service technician is fighting moisture. When they introduced the HFC refrigerants, mandated by the Montreal Protocol and the Clean Air Act, they had to introduce new oils that work with those refrigerants. The mineral oil that we'd been using forever with HCFCs and CFCs was no longer applicable. HFCs are not miscible with mineral oil. So they developed polyester oils or other ester oils, synthetic oils. These new oils have a high affinity for water, meaning they absorb and hold much more moisture than mineral oil. Can be up to 100 to 400 times the amount of water in the same volume of oil, the synthetics versus mineral oil. One thing that can happen is if we have leaks, oil leaks out, but it also draws moisture into the system, even though there is a positive pressure. Now, different manufacturers have different requirements for both pressurization and evacuation of the system. Those can depend on the type of refrigerant and also the size of the system. So we're going to have a couple of examples, uh, Mitsubishi and American Standard. What Mitsubishi tells us in the M&P manual is they want to press te- pressure tested to 600 PSIG, which for those that don't know is pounds per square inch gauge, what we're reading on our gauges. In their installation manuals, it actually gives us the numbers they want us to pressurize to in MPA, which is megapascals, which is a different scale that we don't use here in America. What they say to do is to first pressurize to 0.5 MPA, which is approximately 70 or 72 pound PSI, then to go up to 220 PSI. Let this sit for a few minutes. If we don't see a leak, increase the pressure to 600 PSI and let stand for 24 hours. Now in the real world, 24 hours isn't always going to happen. If we're doing an installation, we're in and out of there in less than a day. If it's a single head unit, easy line set run, wiring, several hours and we're gone. So one general rule that can be followed, any system under 10 tons, pressure test for an hour. Any system over 10 tons, pressure test for 24 hours. This is because the the smaller the system, the smaller the volume of refrigerant or nitrogen in the system. So we're going to notice a pressure drop quicker. 
Now, if we look at American Standard, on the other hand, they want us to pressurize to 150 PSIG, which is much less. There's a reason behind that. Train and American Standard have found that in cold weather, if we pressurize to 600 PSIG, that will give us a larger pressure differential from what's on the line set side of the service valves to what's in the unit. At zero degrees Fahrenheit, R410A has a pressure of 48.6 PSIG. At 32 degrees, it has a pressure of 100 PSIG. With that big differential, they have found that sometimes the nitrogen will push past the service valves into the condensing unit, which renders that refrigerant useless. It has to be removed 100% and disposed of, and then recharged with virgin refrigerant. Now in the summer, that doesn't apply. With the higher ambient temperatures, the internal pressure on the condensing unit will be much higher, less of a pressure differential, less chance of nitrogen going back into the condensing unit. One thing we also got to think about when pressurizing is safety. The general rule of any system is never pressurize higher than the lowest pressure rated part of the system. So if we go back to 22, and we've made a repair on a 22 system, typically the evaporators have a max pressure rating of 150 PSIG. So we wouldn't want to exceed 150 PSIG for safety. When we pressure test for 24 hours, we need to record the temperature at the start of the test. So record the pressure and temperature at the beginning of the pressure test. Now there's one other thing we need to think about when we're doing these extended pressure tests, and that's the ambient temperature. So as we know, temperature and pressure are directly related. With a drop in temperature, we will have a drop in pressure. Mitsubishi addressed this by stating that if the surrounding temperature changes by one degree Celsius, the pressure will change by about 0.01 MPA. So for those of us in the states that don't use Celsius or Pascal, that we use PSI and degrees Fahrenheit, we have a formula that we can use. If we know the starting pressure and temperature and then the ending temperature, we can go ahead and find what the ending pressure should be if we haven't had any leaks. And it's a simple formula. It's expressed as P1 times T2 divided by T1. For those of us who aren't... I was going to say, my, my head's spinning a little bit. I was told there would be no math. <laughs> All right. Well, a little math. So we basically take our value for pressure 1, which is our starting pressure, and multiply it by the temperature at the end. So the next day, what that temperature is. We get a value. We divide that by the beginning temperature, and we will come up with our ending pressure, what we should expect to see. Now, one other thing about this formula is we need to do it in absolute pressure and absolute temperature. What that means, absolute pressure is PSIG plus atmospheric pressure. At sea level, atmospheric pressure is 14.69 pounds per square inch. We can round it to 14.7. We could round it to 15. It would probably be all right. So we add our PSIG 
we'll say it was starting at 500 PSIG, we would add our 14.7 and that is the pressure we would use. As for absolute temperature, absolute zero is minus 460 degrees Rankine. So we have to add 460 degrees to whatever our degree Fahrenheit is. So if we started at 90 degrees Fahrenheit, we would have to use 550 degrees absolute. Let's say the ending temperature was 70 degrees. We had a cold front come in overnight. Now it's 70 degrees. Again, we'd have to add 460 degrees, which would bring us to 530 degrees. So just in case you're not some kind of math genius, you can just Google the formula. And there's apps and programs that'll do all the math for you. They can give you a call as well. That's right. So after we've proven there are no leaks in the system, it's tight as we call it, now it's time to evacuate the system. Evacuation is removing any non-condensables from the system. Non-condensables are things such as nitrogen, air. Dehydration is removing any moisture in the system. We do this using a vacuum pump. By pulling the system into a vacuum, we lower the boiling point of water. So any moisture in the system will boil off and be pulled out by the vacuum pump. What we look for is to evacuate down to 300 microns. Once we achieve that vacuum, we isolate the system and watch for a pressure rise. If the pressure does not rise above 500 microns, we have removed all the moisture from the system. American Standard states the evacuation is complete if the micron gauge does not rise above 500 microns in one minute. Mitsubishi tells us conduct the rise test for a minimum of 30 minutes. When evacuating a system, especially a larger system, there are things we can do to speed up the evacuation process. One of them is a triple evacuation. So what we do is we do an initial evacuation. Mitsubishi recommends evacuating the system down to 4,000 microns and then introducing dry nitrogen into the system up to zero PSIG. That will absorb any moisture that has been boiled off from the system. We then evacuate down to 1500 microns, repeat the process with the nitrogen, and then do one more evacuation down to 350 microns. Some people think this adds time to the evacuation. If it's a small system, say a Mitsubishi with short line sets, one head, it's probably going to add time and you probably don't need to do that. But as you get in the larger systems, it's been proven to reduce evacuation times. And time is money on a hot day when we want to go home or move on to the next call. We definitely want to save as much time as we can. Great. Well, thank you, Russell. I think that this is a lot of information that you gave the techs need to be vigilant to make sure that they're doing these things and performing these tests and performing these procedures to make sure that this equipment that we're selling is running at peak levels for a long time. Thank you again to Russell for coming on. Thank you for everyone out there listening. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and on Spotify. Search Taurus Tech Talk. Follow along on social media. 
Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Use the hashtag Taurus Tech Talk. And if you want to listen to any of our tech talks or any of our podcasts, you can go to our website, sgtaurus.com slash podcast. And finally, if you want to talk to any of these guys, whether it be Phil, Ken, Mark, Russ, or John, you can call the tech line 978-657-4768. I want to thank you again for tuning in. We'll catch you next time on Taurus Tech Talk. <laughs>